Welcome to the Yoga Liberty Podcast. My name is Angelica. This podcast is for aspiring yoga teachers and yoga teachers, basically people who want to live their dream of teaching yoga and helping others. I've been teaching yoga full-time since 2005. I've owned three yoga studios. I've taught over 50,000 people in-person yoga, and I have no idea how many people have taken my online yoga classes. I currently do online yoga teacher training, and I love helping people live their dreams. So if you're here for that, keep listening. And thank you so very much. I absolutely appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Are you a yoga teacher searching for the perfect platform to host your online classes, workshops, and trainings? Well, look no more. Offering Tree is an affordable one-stop solution for yoga teachers who want to create an online presence, capture emails, create offers, and sell online classes and courses. Offering Tree is specifically focused on the needs of yoga teachers because it was made by yoga teachers for yoga teachers. I use it myself. Use the link offeringtree.com slash Angelica and receive a discount of 50% off on your first three months of a monthly plan or 15% off your first year on an annual plan. That's up to $88 off, which is some pretty good karma, I think. I'll leave the link in the description below or visit offeringtree.com slash Angelica to get started online today. All right, everyone, welcome to the Yoga Liberty Podcast. Today, we will be joined by Jessica Cross, and she's here to talk to us about marketing and yoga, which is a topic that all of us want to know more about because we want to thrive as yoga teachers so that we can keep teaching yoga. So I'm excited to have Jessica on today. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Jessica is someone who worked in corporate for a long time as a marketer. She was my nemesis. When I worked in corporate, I was in sales. And as we all know, sales and marketing clash on a regular basis in the corporate world. <laughs> yes, I didn't even, that's so funny. I didn't even know that. Yes, we, we would have been at odds. <laughs> but you know what's funny about it is that now that I own my own business and have for 17 years, I realize that they go hand in hand. But I don't think they did in the corporate world. Like, I think that there, there really was, like, we were all trying to sabotage each other because that's part of the, that's part of corporate environment and corporate culture. Um, because in corporate culture, unlike in yoga culture, if one of us succeeds, the other one must be a failure. But in the yoga world, we find that there's abundance for all of us. So yeah, now we're, now we're friends, marketing and sales. Now we're friends. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness. So tell us about your journey to entrepreneurship. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's layered as many. Um, So as you mentioned, I, I came from the corporate world when I was in college, I had no idea really what I wanted to do, except that I wanted to help people and I wanted a corporate job. I was so sure that was just the be all end all for me. That's all I could see at the time. Um, And this is pre yoga days for me as well, coming from a a small town in Texas and going to college in a small town in Texas. After college, um, I moved from Texas to Atlanta. I worked in events and marketing and specifically like uh, experiential events uh, for marketing purposes and got a ton of, like ton of experience. I loved it. I got to travel all over the country, which is great for, you know, me country come city. Like I, (laughs) that was my first experience really outside of, out of, out of where I'm just from. And so I got to see lots of things, meet lots of different people, learn different perspectives and spent some time there. And then, uh, 2008 hit and I got laid off for my, my very first corporate job. And it was really tough. Uh, and I'm sure if anybody's listening, I know Angelica, you have a similar, similar story where 2008 had a big impact on your career and kind of shaped where you, where your next, your next move was. And it did for me too. And so I was on the East coast. I ended up moving out to the West coast and, and spending some time in Las Vegas working 
for one of the big hotel groups out there in, in events and marketing and advertising. And that was a completely different experience. And also um, it was interesting to learn like, okay, like I had my first experience, let me take it to the next job. Okay, you guys do completely different things. Oh my gosh. And, you know, learning, learning how people work and, uh, you know, just how you're talking about kind of different roles pitting against one another. I learned like, who our friends were in marketing and who they weren't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, corporate is really, t- it's really tough. Yeah, it really is. And, and I'm glad I had that experience because, you know, I, and then I go on to another job and I spent a much longer time in a similar role. And this is when, you know, I, during, during Las Vegas is when I found yoga, thank goodness, was in a corporate gym. And you know, I'm sure like many people have that, that first touch of yoga. It's like a, you know, a VHS Radhi tape or it's a corporate yoga class. This was for me. And I'm so glad that I had that experience because who knows how I would have found yoga. Otherwise, I know that with its popularity, it would have come my way eventually. But I'm glad that that was that was my first experience. And I needed it desperately coming coming from a really stressed out environment. Just, you know, people, lots of stress trying to make money, trying to make it, trying to make a living and thank goodness for yoga. Uh, So that was my first touch. And then it followed me into my next job and finally realizing it's like, okay, this is not working for me. (laughs) Corporate Mm -hmm. is not the be all end all. It's so funny because it's what I wanted. Like I said, at the beginning, you know, I Mm -hmm. just, I was so sure this is it. And then I got there and I was like, this, this can't be it. Right. This is, life has there has to be more to life well, than it's this. to us as the as the way to have a fulfilling life forever like it's mm-hmm. like told we're told from the time we're really young that the only way to have security is to have a paycheck job to get a paycheck every two weeks to get your health insurance to get your 401k and to live in this square peg square hole kind of lifestyle that really has no soul to it it has no enjoyment and we're never taught that actually about that life is short that the time that we spend on this earth should be spent doing things that we love we're not taught that at all we're taught if we hustle and slave and work really hard and sacrifice that we'll one day be able to retire And I do believe in working really hard and I'm not anti-hustle culture. I'm a hustler myself. I work really, really hard, but I found that somewhere along the way, I forgot how to be happy and have to remind myself every day that happiness is a choice Mm -hmm. and that it's okay to think best case scenario instead of worst case scenario. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that corporate environment really told us to live in the worst case scenario, but we were just doing what we thought was the right thing. Mm -hmm. And there's not much else modeled, you know? And to be honest, both you and I owe what we do now to the knowledge that we gain in that time period of our life. 100%, 100%. The knowledge and also, you know, for me, the, the resources that I was able to pay for a yoga teacher training, like I, yeah, I didn't come for much. And there was, there was a time when spending 3k on a teacher training was like, I couldn't even fathom 3k in my account period. <laughs> that was not I, even a thing. That's so funny because that's how similar, like our similar, we grew up on welfare and getting like free government cheese and free peanut butter back when like now people will pay a ton of money for organic peanut butter. But back then it was like, I don't want the peanut butter with the oil, mom, you know, and that, cause that's what you got for free. Now I pay like $20 for a bottle of it. <laughs> and then you're excited. Cause it says like at the top, um, extra room to stir. And you're like, Ooh, that's right. the good one. <laughs> right. That's a good one. But back in the day, it came with that white label and it was just generic peanut butter and black oh. and white. And it, and I just want a gif. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you wanted what everybody else had, just to be right. like not. But not I to agree stand with out. you. I I paid for my yoga teacher training with a check. I just wrote a check for two thousand one hundred dollars, and that was it. And then I had my training, and 
<laughs> later on, I went on, I bought my truck. I just paid in cash, like literally dollars, $25,000. I was like, mm. here you go. But that actually came from owning my own business because true wealth never come from working in corporate. True wealth will only come from owning your own business. And that's something that they don't teach us either. Mm-mm. And I'm not, we definitely aren't going to go down the conspiracy hole, but I do think that a lot of what could be using to make our lives incredible has to do with yogic thought taught in the yoga sutras, the theta brain state, the pineal gland, meditation, and the kundalini rising in the body. And that those things are real and they call it law of attraction and make fun of it and call it hooky. But it's actually visualization actually works. And I'm sure that you found success like me, because we did practice visualization, because I, in my brain every day was like, this is what I'm creating. I'm going to move to Las Vegas and open a yoga studio called Sin City Yoga. I'm going to help people. It's going to be this big studio. I'm going to have this much square footage. It's going to, this is what it's going to look like. And did it exactly look like that? No, but it was pretty close, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel, I feel so aligned with what you had to say too. It was just like, these visualizations that we have as you know we're in a former version of ourselves we're starting to feel that something is there and we're not exactly sure you know everyone visualizes differently maybe you're not exactly sure what it looks like or exactly where it's going to take you but you know if you you're supposed to do this thing this thing that's right in front of you you're supposed to do it right now okay all right let's do it and then as you kind of go it for me it's like okay so you take this training okay, now what? Oh, suddenly this studio's teaching job opens up near you. Oh, weird. Okay. So you start doing that and then you start meeting the people that are starting to teach you lessons and they're not all good lessons. I mean, they're all good lessons, but they're all not positive experiences that become a part of, you know, I'll throw that out there. Uh, it's not, it's not all good vibes here on this podcast for sure. It's all the vibes. Uh, so, but these lessons start shaping you're like, oh, that's why. I was supposed yeah. to do. Yeah, that. that's why. That's why. It's interesting that you should say that about good vibes. Because you remember when um Instagram first came out and it was always like good vibes only, hashtag good vibes, only good vibes. And it was like oh people were only posting positive stuff. And I think there's been this like massive backlash where everybody's like, no, good vibes only. <laughs> hashtag sometimes it sucks you know? <laughs> Thank God. Cause it's like, I, it's so, it's so um, disheartening when you're going through something and you hope happen to, you know, I don't know, buffer by scrolling. Like we all do it inevitably sometimes during, during our days. And you just see these like perfectly little curated squares that these people have in these amazing lives. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Well, nothing because they're just, that's only a single side of them. There's a lot of production that goes into social media. And um, I I know because I do lighting, Mm. I do sound, I do, um, I have all kinds of apps that help me. One of my, it's funny, one of my old supervisors from corporate messaged me today. She's like, oh, you're just glowing. Your skin looks so amazing. And I was like, that's a filter. (laughs) And she was like, how do I get one? And so I took like screenshots and circled how she could get it. And then she posted a story with it. She's like, this has changed my life. And I was like, yeah, filters are real. Like, I mean, most of the time I actually don't use a filter because um, I actually do have really good skin, but um, but sometimes I do use a filter because um and we're you're you know if you're listening to the podcast you can't see this but we're actually recording this on a zoom and um I do have the beauty filter on zoom so just I do have I do have I'm almost 50 okay I'm beauty filter all the way yes but um, let's get back to the point of why we're here today so what what do you think is the number one mistake that yoga teachers make when they get started teaching oh my goodness well 
I think one of the biggest mistakes that yoga teachers make, and I mean, and there are a few, and I've probably made all of these, by the way, all of these mistakes at some point, but waiting for the right opportunity or just not even starting because yes. they think they're Preach. not worthy. Yeah. They're not, um, you know, they're not enough. They've not taken enough trainings to get started. They, all of these, these constructs that our minds love to serve up to us about why we shouldn't do the thing. And that's because the, our brain is doing its job. It's trying to protect us. And, and when we, when our brain tries to protect us, it's usually because we're trying to separate ourselves from the herd, not safe. So our brain's like, ah, not safe. Stay, stay small, stay, stay in your current environment. Cause we know that one, we know what's going to happen. It's predictable. Mm -hmm. But if you are putting yourself out there on social media, you're saying yes to literally any teach opportunity that's coming your way, which I highly recommend to anybody who's just getting started is to please just teach to any human who will let you teach to them. At any yeah, time. I agree with that. Just I agree with that too. Put yourself out there. Yeah. It's so, I yeah, actually I have a, a course called thriving yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's the free course. I'll drop it in the, the description below, but, um, the course I go, I talk about that. Like just take any opportunity, literally take any job that is offered to you. It doesn't matter if they're going to pay you or not. You are getting paid in experience and connections. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't, think that anything that I've done over the past 17 years has paid me in a traditional way. And, and there, we have to get over this concept of fairness, like as a society, I think it's super weird that we're all trying to make everything fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Yeah. If life were fair, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be living the way we do in the United States because I've sure. been to the slums in Mumbai and life is not fair we have an unfair advantage. And so there is a lot of unfairness going on. That's just how the world works. We aren't even born in a fair state and there's no way to make it fair. We're all born with the different capabilities and levels and different things that we shine in. And unfortunately, we as a society haven't chosen to highlight what we shine at as our main thing to do in our lives and our purpose. And I think that's a shame but you can change that as an adult. And so the thing is like, get over the unfairness of it because you're not gonna get paid in a fair way as an independent contractor. Sometimes you're gonna get a windfall of money and sometimes you're not. You know, when I taught yoga teacher training in the studio, I would do it staggered and some people would sign up and it was 2,500 for them. And some people would sign up the week before and it was 3,750 for them. And that's just the way it was. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. it is what it is. That's how it works. And yeah. it maybe it's fair, maybe it's not fair. I don't know. It feels like fair to me that if somebody made a commitment seven months ago that they get a better deal. I you so know? agree. I so agree. You're I, there's incentivization for all kinds of things these days. Right. And I also go, I mean, it's yoga teacher studio or yoga teacher training and studios or businesses. Period. Yeah. Full stop. So they've yeah. got it. They have to be able to make sure that resources are available for the teacher training that is happening in seven months. And so, let's get over this. Let's get over this idea that we're trying to teach some kind of authentic Indian yoga over here. We are not. We are not. Yeah. We are not. Let's not lie. We're not. It's true. We are. We're trying to make money off of spirituality, fitness, exercise, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I mean, I, I'm so, I get, I get so tired of hearing that, you know, because we're not, we're not culturally appropriating. We're not even teaching the same kind of yoga here. Yep. You know, yeah. if you've been to India, you know that it's nothing like what we do here. Yeah. And the, in, and the Indian yoga that's like what we do here is for white people. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're so right. It is literally marketed for white people. <laughs> yeah. I know it's scary to say the word but it's true. It is um, true. It, it's scary because it feels like, I apologize for the beeping. That is my bread machine. That means that my bread is done. This I is made important. A, I made a really good bread today. It's flax, sesame seed, and chia seed. This is the news we need. This is, a, this is what changes lives. This really good bread made with whole wheat. I wish I was nearby. I would give you a slice. 
Um, so anyhow, how do yoga teachers get past those doubts about charging and charging a fair rate for their offerings and oh. maintaining, you know, their livelihood? Yes. Oh my goodness. So one of the other things that I see is, uh, is, you know, if you're, if you're not teaching, that's one thing. If you're not charging when you're teaching, that's a whole nother box of, of issues. Like we, we got to have you paid as a teacher period. And then I'm not talking about charging, you know, $3 for a class or something like that. And I'm not also talking about need-based offerings too. So I'm talking first about the yoga teacher charging for the class that they are offering. You got to put yourself out there and you have to practice, which I think maybe many of you resonate with this. If you're listening, receiving, receiving money Mm -hmm. for the work Mm -hmm. that you're putting out there, because if you do not have your bills paid, you do not teach the yoga. Mm -hmm. And then the Mm -hmm. yoga stops and that's not what Mm -hmm. we want. So in order for you to a have your bills paid and for you to be able to give your time, your resources, whatever it is that is important to you back to philanthropic activities, you have to have a paycheck. Right. If you, you are not a victim, you are not, you are not a victim. You have a yoga teacher training. It is not, it it is not, if people are like, well, no one wanted to paint. I had this one person tell me why I closed my studio because people didn't want to come anymore. People just stopped coming. I was like, dad, did you do any marketing? Did you pay for any ads? Did you try to generate new leads? You're running a business. They're not just going to imagine spirits are magically bringing them to you. I mean, yeah, there's like visualization, but you got to do the work. You visualize and do the work. It's like Britney Spears says, you want a Maserati? You want a yoga studio? You better work. Better work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like, I think, I think that's another thing too, is our industry we, we attract artists, we attract dreamers, we attract givers, we attract the people that have the biggest, fullest hearts. And I know that it's coming from a good place, but at the end of the day, if you're not putting in the work, you're not getting paid and you're going to have to get another, you're going to have to figure out something else for you. And yeah. that's unfortunate. I think it's really, really unfortunate to see when that happens. When I um, first opened the studio, and even like three or four years into owning it, I'd had a couple of different students say to me, you don't deserve to be making money. I deserve it. Like I had like actually someone tell me you're not good enough at yoga to be making as much money as you are. I deserve to own a studio like this. More than one student said that to me. And I just was like, well, you're not. I I'm willing to take a lot of risks, not because I'm better or less or it's not about my teaching ability. It's about my risk aversion, like my ability to have zero risk aversion. I have a really high tolerance for risk. I'm literally willing to put every last dime out there to make my dream happen. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm willing to like, just try things. I'm willing to post crazy things on social media that other people might be like, oh, that's, you shouldn't post that, you know? But that's what actually gets you the followers. It's not, it gets you the people who are, you you take a stand, you know, if you just actually take a stand, instead of just posting the same thing over and over again, this is how you do trikonasana, (laughs) you know? Here I am doing Pinchamayarasana again. Uh huh. Different you know? outfit. Different outfit Different this outfit. time. Here, here's my favorite reel where it's like them doing Pincha in like 20 different outfits. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. I mean, hey, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I always have a lot of compassion for when I see those accounts where it's just all like very like beautiful photos of very complex asana that not everybody can actually attain because I'm oh, like most people can't most people yeah, can't. I've been like, teaching people for a long time I've had thousands and thousands and thousands thousands of people like I, I mean I bet I've probably taught 
thousand people in like conventions and all mm-hmm. the different things that I've done the studio and all that I, I mean it's like one percent that mm-hmm. can do those advanced asanas it's a really yeah. it's a tiny percentage and the problem is is that those people they gain really big followings on Instagram and I know some really big names that I'm not going to drop here that are terrible yoga teachers in real life but they have massive followings but they personally can do a lot. It's the Instagram versus reality. Mm. Oh, so actual true. teaching technique is really poor. Now, somebody yeah. who has a really great Instagram and is an excellent teacher is Tina McGregor. Mm. We I'm got practice with her. She she had a studio right like down the street from where I lived in Miami, and I got trained by one of her competitors. <sighs> but I've been to her classes before. Um, and this was a long time ago. I mean, it was been over 20 years ago, but she um, was very humble and quite gifted as a teacher. Mm. She was you really, can, really gifted. You can feel that. And so there is a, there's a difference in a, in Kino as an, Kino as a person and as an example to somebody who's just posting, you know, 50 different versions of their Pincha practice. Right. You but can the feel other- that. But there's other people that are her peers who have the same amount of following who are, as teachers, not very gifted at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I that, found, and it's, I'm it's sorry, fine. Oh, no, that's okay. No, I'm ha- this is such a good conversation. We're just like, ah. I feel like, yeah, it's like not like not everybody it's such this is also a very interesting like business um, thing to think about too. It's like not everybody's going to be an amazing teacher. And there's so many teachers in the world now just because of the construct. It's like, you know, we've got people that aren't charging what they need to be charging in order to run a business. So then they got to sell their teacher training. So they're teaching a lot of people who right. may not be great teachers and the teacher who's teaching them may not be a great teacher either. And it becomes like very, very cyclical. So I wonder if there's anything, I mean, there's no way to probably measure this, but there's no, I'm so curious to know if like, there's some of these people that we see with these beautiful practices that aren't actually really gifted when it comes to sharing yoga. What I've noticed as a teacher of teachers, because I, I primarily teach people how to become teachers. Uh-huh. It's the thing that I'm really good at. And I just kind of found my niche and got, got in that. And I, and I've been doing it now for a really long time and I really enjoy it. And I love seeing people come out of my training and then just like fully live their dream because people who take my training, they get both, they get the, the technical side of being a teacher, but then they also get the business side because I'm really mm-hmm. heavy in helping people create a business. So, but what I've noticed is the people with the advanced asanas, they struggle to be good teachers. They struggle because they can't understand what it's like, like truly understand what it's like to not be able to touch your toes. Yeah. That's like an experience that they've never had. And in all fairness, I've had, I've had a couple of teachers who are really good at asana say to me, like, I'm so frustrated because no one can do my sequence. I just want to teach people who can do these arm balances or who can do these transitions. And it's, there's just so few people who can do those things. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, I got my 300 hour with uh, Doug Swenson, David Swenson's brother. David Swenson wrote the book uh, about Ashtanga. For those of you who don't know, he's very, uh, quite famous in the yoga world. But um, his brother's name is Doug. and Doug said that his bread and butter, the majority of his money came from teaching beginners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, yeah. it's so true. Like you think about the, excuse me, the percentage of somebody who has a very advanced practice. And as, as a teacher, you're wanting to start a business that only caters to a really tiny percent. You know, we talk about niching down, but if one of my clients were to ask me about that, I'd be like, no, we need to figure something else out for you. That's, that's going way too narrow. And at the end of the day, that fancy stuff is very pretty, but really like, why did you want to start teaching to begin with? Right. I want to go back to that. That's a good question. 
Yeah. And I love in your question, I love in your teacher training is so a customizable because it's one-to-one and you have such a big component of business because I mean, I'm sure everybody in who's listening to this, who's been through 200 hours, like I did not get any business from my 200 hour and I did definitely didn't. So that's so good. Can you hear all these ATVs driving behind me? No, I can't hear okay, anything. Good. Yeah. Okay, good. They, so they, the AirPods must be really good because it's They're quite working. loud outside. And I was <laughs> a, a little bit embarrassed. Um, yes, my yoga teacher training is one-on-one. It's completely customized to the individual. And that's why people are so successful. That's the beauty of being online. And it's funny because I had a podcast guest yesterday um, that I recorded and she said she would never want to do online yoga teacher training. And it's interesting because I think my generation is very much like, no, and she was in my generation and, and we were both very, you know, much like, no, I wouldn't want to do that. But now I have, I actually got my yin certification with Bernie Clark online. Cool. Um, now I'd been teaching yin for 10 years and was like, I actually know all this stuff, but that's okay. <laughs> but Bernie. Um, I got, but it was cool to be around him, you know, and to, to be in his sphere. But, um, the, the, uh, the, but most of my students will say to me that they would have felt intimidated to go in, in person and that it just fits with their lifestyle better to do it online. I also have a number of people who have taken a different 200 hour come and take mine mm-hmm. because a lot of 200 hour trainings focus only on teaching you the asana. They don't teach you how to actually technically be a good teacher and they don't teach you how to run a business, which are the two strengths of my training. Technically, people come out able to understand how to sequence, how to create different sequences. I always like, there's a book called Sequencing Yoga, and I always just want to vomit whenever I see that. I'm like, you don't need that book. It's you, you it's within you. Your, mm-hmm. your, the sequences are within you. You don't need that book. You know, if you take a, if someone takes a teacher training where we learn how to sequence, we don't need the book about sequencing. That's so true because, and, and you know, when I went through my 200 hour, I believe that was a required text or I bought it. I don't remember oh, which. That's funny. Um, and I'm I remember. Like, that's lazy teaching. I know, but I actually <laughs> remember I found it more difficult to try to teach from that book than to make my own sequences. And, yeah. and so then I was like, this yeah. is crap. Like, I think it's, it's almost harder to try to stick with something like that. And it's not embodied because it did, like you said, it didn't come from when within you, it came with from within the author. <laughs> right, exactly. And now you're memorizing someone else's sequence instead of yeah. speaking from your own authentic voice, which is something I work really hard to pull out of people in yoga teacher training is how to speak from your own authentic voice. It's tough. Um, you got to teach to get to that. It is, but there's also the authentic marketing piece, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, this is not something that we discussed or ahead of time that I was going to ask you, but I would really like to ask you, how do you be authentic in your marketing? Like, how do you unique yourself? How does someone be authentic and unique in the marketing that they put out? And when we talk about marketing, just so that we have an understanding what that means, it's like every piece of collateral that you put out, all of your social media, your um, graphic design, your website. Um, the way in which you present yourself to clients from, from a external viewpoint, once you get into a one-on-one situation where you're trying to get them to sign up your class, now we're talking about sales. And so that's mm-hmm. where sales and marketing intertwine. So marketing is everything that, that happens up to the point of selling. So, um, and then at some point, the marketing and the selling are the same, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in there and we're doing, we're creating content that is selling to people. And now we have our copy, which is the stuff that we write about. And that is our ad copy, which is part marketing, part sales. Mm-hmm. But how do we create marketing that is authentic to us individually? Mm, that's such a good question. And I feel like 
I, something I work with my clients on very, very regularly is always like, I want to share from my own voice. Like how, how do I get there? And I feel like, and I've, I've learned this also too, is the marketing side from my corporate life is very different from the marketing side is owning my own business. Because, you know, if, if you are listening and you work in a corporate situation or a corporate environment, you may have all of these brand guides with specific copy points that you're supposed to use, specific descriptors, and almost like you don't really have to think because someone did it for you. <laughs> so now you're on your own and you're like, oh my God, like, how do I, how do I say the things that I want to say and not sound like, Susie Q down the street and the person that I follow, I want to make sure I don't sound like them, even though I really like what they had to say. So how, like, how, like to your question, like, how do you authentically share your message? So the people that you're supposed to reach are reached. And first of all, you, you have to start somewhere and it might sound like crap at first. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's actually mm-hmm. fine. And so for the people that are like, well, I'm afraid to post anything because I don't want to sound stupid or I won't want to say the wrong thing. Let me just say that you're probably going to sound stupid and say the wrong thing at some point. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Like if we got to get yeah. over that, like yeah. I'm afraid to do it wrong and start thinking about the iterative process. So the iterative processor design thinking is like, is very experiential based. So let's try some stuff. Let me think about, I don't know, what are 10 things that I could talk about without any, like any time limit. I could talk for a long time, by the way. So I won't do that, yeah, but like right. 10 things, like let's, let's think of a list of 10 things. What are 10 things about your specific teaching practice that you could talk about? Okay. Make a list, try them all. (laughs) Try them all, like make a post, start a conversation, start just talking in the way that you would actually speak and not the way that your teacher spoke, not the way that the studio that you practice at speaks in their marketing. Like, how do you speak? Yeah, that's that's what that's so interesting because I had a sales call with someone the other day and she asked me to send her some classes of me teaching. And I was like, that's really irrelevant. Okay, how I teach is really irrelevant to how you're going to teach. Like, I'm happy to send them to you, but my style is not going to be your style. Yeah, yeah. And please don't, I mean, you're free to steal anything that I do. You know, like take anything I do. If you like it, please take it and use it. I'm cool with that. That's how yoga has been passed on for many generations. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, and just abundance in general, like whatever, we're all on this, we're all in this planet together. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all ending up at the same place. <laughs> yeah, you know? we are. <laughs> so it might as well just realize that what's truly important is not the accumulation of stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. That there are no trade secrets. Yeah. Um, and that the individual is really what shines. But but also I really encourage my students to not want to be me. So when someone takes my teacher training, they'll get in there and they'll notice there's a lot of different teachers. Mm-hmm. I hired a bunch of different people to do modules with me so that the students are getting exposed to a lot of different styles because You've got to, just like you're saying, you've got to try a lot of different things. And in like, we call it failure, right? Fail at these things before we actually figure out what it is that we are. So that's why I always say there are no failures. Mm -hmm. There are no failures. They're just learning experiences. The only failure is quitting. Yes. We just, we just keep doing it. We keep trying, we keep doing what we're doing. And then, and then what happens is, we tried all these different things until we finally get to the point where we're like, okay, these things are working. Yeah. But then the other, the trick, the tricky part, the tricky part is that it never stops. Mm -hmm. We have to keep exploring. We have to keep trying. We have to keep doing new things that that, that exploration period literally never ends. No, it's so true. I love what you had to say, because I think as our culture, we've always been taught that there's, there's this point that we arrive. That ain't true, friends. Like, it's just not like, we're always going to be 
on this path, we're going to be iterating what it is that we teach. We're going to be iterating our voice in the marketing that we're putting out. We're going to be iterating on our sales calls and how, how we actually show up for marketing sales to teach all of those things are, uh, they're alive. It's, it's a living, breathing organism. It's not something that's like, well, box checked, moving on, found my voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like It's going on forever. Right. It's going on forever. Mm-hmm. And even like, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself that I asked for this because I had like <laughs> this really, I had this really thriving yoga, yoga studio and it's still doing really well. The new owners are doing great and it actually is doing even better than when I owned it because the area around it has grown so dramatically. Amazing. When yeah. I started, it was just me and this bar across the street and all these dilapidated buildings. And now the whole street is built up. There's like four breweries and all these restaurants and like all these stores. And there's another yoga studio down the street. And then another yoga studio, like three yoga studios all closed. Of course, the one I made is the biggest and the best. Of course. (laughs) It's the biggest and the best yoga studio in the whole world. (laughs) Um, And modesty is probably not one of my traits, but... um, I really felt like, like I felt bored and I wanted a new challenge and I'm, and I was like, cool, I'm going to sell my studio. I'm going to go online. And I'll tell you what, it has been a challenge. That is for sure. Learning mm-hmm. online is like a whole new skill set because my whole thing was, well, I was focused on just my clients in Las Vegas and that was it. Like those are the only clients I could get. Maybe a few people might come from out of town to take my training but most people were from Vegas, except the tourists, right? Um, and, the, you know, they're taking a class, whatever. But it was like localized to my area. You had to be in Vegas to have the experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, when I go online, the universe will be my my client base. But what I failed to see was that I also would be competing against the universe, you know, mm-hmm. so which true. isn't it's not bad. It just caused me to have to level up, you know? Yeah. But um, it's definitely harder. <laughs> it is. And that's so true. And I think to, you know, to your point, it's the same thing that our teachers are experiencing right now. It's like, we're largely online. Some things are still opening up, but everybody's life's changed. They're not in the same routine yeah. that they were in before. Yeah. They're much more open to online yoga classes, trainings, whatever it is that we're putting out there and everyone has leveled up, you know, 10 years in technology since in the, in two years time. So it's like, we're all competing against this. I mean, even though it's like your people find you regardless, you, you, but you shine your light. Yes. There's other people shining their lights too. Their people find them. Your people find you always. Are you familiar with uh, Ezra Firestone and Molly Pittman from smart marketer? You know, the names sound familiar, but not super, super well. well so they said, to, they said to kind of the same thing that you're saying, only said that we're like 20 years past what mm. they thought that we would be at at this time. I believe it. I mean, I yeah. so believe it. Like that our, I know your life is different. My life is completely different. Every situation that I've been in is just not what it was at the end of 2019. Yeah, so, I love it. Like I personally, I'm like, I've taken um the ultimate vegan cooking course I've taken a vegan pastry cooking course I've took that yin course online um I've taken a microgreens how to grow microgreens course online I took a course on raw vegan food like um I've made a bunch of courses I take a bunch of yoga classes online I've gotten to work with teachers I never would have been able to before because of that Mm -hmm. um and the cool thing is is like I just don't even have to leave. I don't have to drive anywhere. I mean, but it's I true. Also, like, and I, you, you could say like, well, you don't have your, you don't have your, you, the same connection, but like you and I met online mm-hmm. and, and now, <laughs> right. And now we're kind of friends and you're in, you're actually in my mastermind that yes. is not open to the public. It's like a mastermind that I'm in with my friends. Um, and 
Like that would have never, like our mastermind meets on Zoom. You we know? never would have. We're from all over the country. And it's, you know, it's like, there's all kinds of things like that that are going on. Don't, don't send me a DM. You can't get into the mastermind. <laughs> don't it's DM that, me either. <laughs> it's, it's not how Angelica invited I mean, me. I have, so. I have a mastermind for yoga teachers, but th- this is my personal one. That's something different. I feel like <laughs> I shouldn't have even said that. Now I've opened this like can of worms. But stay tuned for her yoga teacher mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyhow, yeah, you know, I think I think that that there's a lot of really upsides to it. But I'm not I'm not ignorant to the fact that there are also a lot of downsides, and that there is there's something to be said about touch. I will mm-hmm. say that I feel really nervous to teach um, assists and adjustments in my online teacher training. I do not feel comfortable teaching a lot of that. Because I think that you've got to have experience with bodies to actually be touching bodies. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that yoga teachers should have been touching people on the level that they were anyway to begin Amen. with. Yeah. I had an incredible amount of experience teaching adjustments and had teachers like train me and did lots of in-depth trainings on it before I started touching people. Good. I practiced Ashtanga for like, 10, 15 years before I taught yoga myself. Mm-hmm. So, and that is really heavy. And Ashtanga, like traditional Ashtanga is really heavy in adjustments. Um, and I don't think that a lot of people have that kind of commitment to their practice. Um, so I don't know that everybody should be touching people, but I also don't think that it should not be taught you know, cause some people yeah. are really gifted at it. Like people love when I touch them, but mm-hmm. I, I think pretty much everybody can get a head rub. So that's, you can safely give most people a head rub. Absolutely. Always Absolutely. ask first, but I yes. feel like head rubs oh are gosh. okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Always please ask before you touch anybody in a class. <laughs> if you're listening so, to this, ask first. <laughs> what's, um, what's something that you would suggest to teachers who are wanting to take their business to the next level? Okay. There's, there's so many things that I could say about this, but I would say that if you're really wanting to take your business to the next level and you're, you're done trying to Google everything, you're done trying to figure it all out on your own. And it takes so much time. Hire a coach, please. Like Uh, that's uh, the biggest thing. I've got coaches. I have coaches for this and that and the other. And I waited so long to hire somebody to help me because I was like, well, so many, so much ego, like I can do this on my own or that's too much money. Like, and the second that I decided to be like, okay, I, I've been trying this for four years now. It's not working. (laughs) It's the opportunity cost. It's the opportunity cost that you're, you lose out. I also had a coach help me create my online course and it happened way faster. Mm -hmm. Like I created it within six months, whereas for like two years, I was wanting to create it. That's um, not true. Just having it, and having that accountability and it's second to none. The getting, other thing too forward. is that people are really afraid to hire someone because they're afraid that they're scammers because there mm-hmm. are some scammers out there. So I would say my, my, my thoughts around that would be that if you want to hire somebody, you think you might resonate with somebody, then See if they have any other stuff. Like, are they on podcasts? What is their social media like? You know, I I, I get suspect of people who have ads, but then mm. their social has no, they have no social proof behind it. They have not posted anything regularly. They don't have any, um, they, ha- they don't have any YouTubes that you could watch. Mm-hmm. there's not there's no they haven't been on any podcast they don't have a podcast themselves or I mean you don't have to have all these things but there's got to be some way that you can connect with them like maybe they're on TikTok and they have a lot of TikToks and you can get to know them a little bit more through watching some of their TikToks and I think that's how you can find out if someone is authentic or not you know 100%. like what is their social that they spend a lot of time on you know, if somebody wants to get to know me, I have, I think over a hundred YouTubes that people could go and watch. And if you binge watched all my YouTubes, 
you would definitely know me. <laughs> Go watch our YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. If you are, if you got it, you know, if, if someone listened to your podcast, they would get an idea for what kind of person you're going to give it, or at what kind of, of, of level of commitment you're going to give. Because the reality is, is whatever people give you on social is a small fraction of what you get as a paid client. Because how someone does one thing is how they do everything. So if you feel like they're over delivering on their social, imagine how they're going to be on their, their paid stuff. And the other thing is I went with someone who was not a well-known well -known name coach. He was not somebody that um, you, there's, you know, everybody's talking about. If I said his name, people wouldn't even probably know who he was, but, and he specializes in only working with vegans and helps people who are vegans run their own online business. Cool. And so, yeah. So That's it's a cool like, niche. Yeah. Right. Um, and at that time he was only taking people who were doing vegan cookbooks, which is what I thought I was going to do. And after talking to him for an hour and he was like, you've been teaching yoga teacher training and yoga for 17 years. Why are we not doing an online yoga course? And I was like, well, I just want to do something different. And he was like, no, that's, that's dumb. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and he was right. This is, this is the right path for me, but I, you know, but he has a lot of YouTubes that I could go and watch and he is a very giving person. Um, you know, and the other thing is, is knowing the limits of like his whole thing was course creation. So he helped me create a course, but he didn't know everything about marketing. He doesn't know everything about email sequencing. You know, he knows some of that stuff, but he doesn't, he's not an expert in YouTube, you know? So there's somebody that, that handles all the different things. So mm -hmm. what, so tell me, tell us a little bit about like, what do you handle? Like if someone comes on as your client, What's the client experience like for them? Yeah, that's that's such a, such a good question. Thanks for asking. So for, for me, a lot of my clients are either brand new into the teaching space or they've been teaching for a few years, mainly studio teaching or, you know, Zoom yoga, yoga or yoga in the park or, you know, however it is there. And they've been kind of disillusioned a little bit. And they're like, how, how am I supposed to make this thing happen? I think that maybe we all experienced at one point where you're getting your hundred dollar paycheck <laughs> and you're like, that's not going to even cover my electricity bill. <laughs> so, $88, $88. Yeah. That's what I used to make a week at 24 hour fitness. $88. Yeah. I mean, it's so common. It's so, so common. And, and, you know, understandable. Cause we're like, okay, this is not going to pay my bill. So what do I do that is going, what am I, what can I do, Jessica, that's going to differentiate me from the market? specialize me and really call in and magnetize my clients to come to me. And how do I get out of this, you know, rat race of just going to studio classes all the time? Because I think a lot of, and probably not in your teacher training, but in the teacher training that I took, my 200 hour sort of was posed as like the be all end all is to teach in a studio. And that was it. That's <laughs> all we knew. People think that That's you know? people will say to me, like, I, I'll be like, so where do you want to teach? at a studio yeah and I'm like really first yeah. of all you're going to make the least amount of money there second of all you cannot cultivate your own clientele there because it is a massive ethical issue that those clients belong to the studio yeah, they belong they to that studio owner who has spent a ton of money to make that happen and it is completely uncool and very not yoga at all to try and take their clients mm -hmm. people would get really mad at me because I had a contract where it was like, you couldn't, you couldn't ask people to follow you on social. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't get people's email addresses. You weren't allowed to hang out with people outside of class. You were not allowed to make friends with the students. And I had a non-compete that people who taught at my studio could not work within a five mile radius of my studio. And people would get really mad at me about it. Like, well, how am I supposed to make a living? I'm like, don't teach at my studio, go somewhere else. <laughs> I don't need you to teach here. And yeah. you don't need to teach here. If, if, if it doesn't, if my contract doesn't vibrate with you, that's cool. There are other opportunities. 
go work mm-hmm. at Caesars, you know? Totally, I mean, totally. And my whole thing was like, people couldn't work at another studio. Mm-hmm. So it, it had to be a place that primarily was not, their business was not, was yoga. Like you couldn't work at a primarily yoga place. You could teach at the gym mm-hmm. down the street, mm-hmm. but you couldn't teach at, you know, um, at, a, at the yoga studio down the street. Because yeah. that also as a studio owner, now it's like your classes are the same as everybody else. So why should totally. they come to my studio when they can go to the donation studio down the street? Cause it has all the same teachers mm-hmm. and didn't make any sense at all. So mm-hmm. you, you teaching at a studio, I always tell people you teach at a studio because you love that studio, yes. not because you want to make money. And also I paid my teachers starting out $20 a class, mm-hmm. which very common. Honestly, I don't feel bad about because yeah. You didn't pay for the floor. You didn't pay for the paint on the walls. You didn't pay for the Facebook marketing that brought those people in. You didn't pay for the toilet that got backed up when your client (laughs) flushed a tampon down the toilet again. Just an FYI, people, tampons don't go down the toilet. Please don't do that. Please do not. Please stop that. Let's normalize not flushing tampons down the toilet. Every month, I spent $200 to $300 with a plumber. Until I finally got this like old timey toilet that would like fill up with a whole bunch of water and was not eco in any way. And that's how, <laughs> that's how that's I got how. that, that just, and I put this humongous trash bag, trash can in front of the toilet and was like, please don't throw your tampons down the, put them in this trash bag, please, for the love of God. Um, but yeah, if you that studios are not where you're going to make money. That's a, no. like, that's not even the best place to teach. And honestly, it's not even the best place to gain experience. I had a, a sales call with somebody the other day who said she was teaching at the gym. And the coolest thing was that people would come in and she'd have a 20 year old come in and could do handstands. And then right after her was a lady come in with a pillow who was like in her sixties, you know, and how do you teach to both of those people in the mm-hmm. same class? that's going to teach us some skills, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, that's a, that's a benefit of for sure teaching in the studio because we all have these beautifully written class descriptions. Let's say one of, one of them is an advanced class. We'll just say that's a just class description at your studio. The non-advanced people are going to come to that class period because they think that they're advanced quote unquote. And I think advanced asana is probably more like restorative yoga because I've got to be still. But what what we all think of advanced is, is, you know, beautiful, the pencha mayorasas that we were talking about. Right, right. So we, we learn to customize our practice to all of those different bodies in a studio environment. So that's something energetic and something experiential. Well, actually, what I was saying was that I found that we learn that more in the gym. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Versus the studio. The studio tends to have a more loyal following where it's the yeah. same people coming all the time. Yeah. 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 You know, but in the gym, it's like people show up whenever they got no dedication. Yeah. Well, no dedication. The sweaty weights next to them. And right. I mean, if you can make the, if you can make gym yoga good, you're a good teacher. Amen to that. Yeah. I so agree. I so agree. But yeah, like for, for the folks that are coming to me, it's, you know, they're disillusioned with studio teaching. They did, they're wanting more and they're not exactly sure how to get there and what it is that is calling to them, maybe a little inkling in the back of their mind. So we're unpacking some of that. And then folks that already have existing businesses, you know, maybe, maybe they've tried finding their authentic voice and they feel like they just still sound like everybody else because Mm -hmm. perfectionism is showing up in their, in their way. And they're afraid to actually put themselves out there. Um, And then also I have studio clients too. I have a studio and her client. We're always working on financials. We're working on her marketing and how all of that pulls together. So I got a little bit of something for every type of teacher. That's cool. That's cool. Because I always tell people, if you want to make money teaching yoga, you have to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And then people don't know what to do as their own thing. And so yeah. someone could reach out to you and find out what is my own thing? What can I yeah. do? And yes. I remember when I first started teaching, I felt like there was nothing different about me and I had to find my rock star quality. 
And having a coach would have allowed me to find that faster. Mm. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. And we all have that thing. And there's literally a million different ways that we can teach. And they're all so beautiful. It's just kind of figuring out which the one is for you and how to tell people about it. That's really it. So what is one piece of advice that you'd gift a past version of yourself that would have saved you a lot of headaches? Oh my goodness. Uh, There's so many things, (laughs) but I'll say one. So I think, I think just simply trust, just trust because I spent so much time in this like in-between space where I was still working the corporate job and side hustling before work, after work on the weekends, like just working super, super, super hard. And there were times where I would not believe that anything was going to come of it. It's like, I'm not seeing the results right now. So must not be working. And it was all that time it was working and it does happen, but we have to let go a little bit parigraha <laughs> and yeah. just not be attached to the work that we're putting out there just know that continue to show up to trust that it will pan out in the way that it's supposed to I learned that the hard way about YouTube <laughs> yeah, I, I, had, <laughs> I had a sales call the other day from someone who saw YouTube that was a year and a half ago and I stopped making YouTubes because I was like nobody's watching these oh yeah But now imagine if I'd kept up doing a YouTube every week for the past two years, you know? That's so true. I feel that way with podcasts too. You know, you see, you you put something out there, it's got, you know, 10, 10 plays and you're like, man, I really thought that was a good one, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But then you look back later and you're like, you look at your metrics and you're like, oh, that's interesting. This episode from six months ago is popping. What's like, you go back and you look, oh, it was that one. And yeah. so it's, it lives on. So your work matters. It does add up. It does add up. It does add up because then just like we were saying, if you're interested in hiring a coach, go and check out their, their socials, go and check out where they're disseminating information. And that's how you get to know them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to hear about this 90 day thought partnership that you're doing. What yeah. is it? Tell me what's that. Yeah. So thanks for asking. So it is a a 90 day container, just like it says, 90 day thought partnership, where I work one-on-one with people. We dive deep into what it is that your magic is, your genius, your zone of genius in the yoga world or in the wellness world. And we cultivate that together. So we, we work on putting out offers. We work on pricing, marketing, obviously sales strategy. We work on finding your voice. We find exactly where it is that we can make the most impact together in that 90 days. And then I send you on your way. If you want, of course you can hang out with me for another 90 days if you want, but that's the point is like 90 days, I feel like is a really nice chunk of time where we can make some big shifts and then you can continue to ripple that work out beyond the 90 days, um, as you like. So Awesome. So if someone wants to get a hold of you and they want to join the 90 day thought partnership, um, how do they do that? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at jessicacross.co. Um, send me a DM if you're interested. And then obviously in my links, there's more information on my 90 day thought partnership. Um, you can also check out my website at the same it's jessicacross.co on the interwebs. Um, I have more info (laughs) on that. You can also check out my podcast. It's marketing off the mat. And I also have a lovely episode coming up that will be launched later this summer with the the gorgeous host of this podcast that you'll have to listen to as well more about her story and yeah check me out send me questions I love to chat in the dm so obviously that's how I got here today is is making friends in the dm so I would love if you're listening to be your friend too in this crazy wild yoga business world that we're in (laughs) yeah 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 I just came from a looked up a hashtag and I saw you came up and I commented on your post and then I saw you had a podcast and I was like oh, hey, let's podcast with each other. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) And that's how it happens. That's how it happens, folks. It can happen for you. It's true. If you can dream it, you can do it. Oh, so true. And trust. In all fairness, that Walt Disney said that, not me. So (laughs) we'll borrow it. (laughs) 
Oh, well, thank you so much. It's always wonderful to meet with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I am sure that a lot of people are going to get a lot of good benefit out of everything that you said. And remember that uh, what we do on podcasts, what we do on YouTube, what we do on our Instagram is just a fraction of what you get when you're actually working with us. So um, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. And, you know, I know that Jessica is a lot like me. A lot of people will not reach out because they think something's expensive and people who really want to help you live your dream, like Jessica and I do, are willing to work with you. So if something is a thousand dollars, we're generally willing to work out really long payment plans and things like that. Like ultimately both Jessica and I worked in corporate and we could go back to corporate. We could make a lot more money than we make right now being in the corporate world. But we don't because we're here to change lives. So I encourage you to take action. If you are thinking about becoming a yoga teacher, if you're thinking about hiring a marketing expert to help you build your business, reach out to us. Do not hold back. The only answer that you could get is maybe no, but I doubt it because we're both people who want to help people. So definitely do not fear reaching out and just seeing what happens. You can't know unless you open the can of worms. So, so true. Couldn't have said it better. Well, thank you so much for coming on and I'll see you around the internet, friend. Sounds good. Thank you so much again. <laughs>